Anything Combat with Johnny K. It's anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a professional. He's got high fight IQ. He's got 3-0 in amateur record, 8-0 in professional record in MMA. Absolute beast. Please welcome Archie Wayne Polgan, also known as King. How are you, Archie? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on, John. All good. My first question for you is we're going to jump into the deep end. What do you see your career going in next two years, next five years, next 10 years? Can you run us through that? Oh, man, that's tough. You know, that's a good question. Right into it. I say I say in the next two years, um, well, I'm hearing recently, I'm hearing some things about Bellator and maybe selling. I'm not sure what's going on with all of that. I don't have any insight. But, you know, if that wasn't a rumor, I see myself in the next two years being Bellator champion. Five years. I don't know, multiple title defenses, I guess. I don't know. Ten years, probably winding down and almost retiring. So you're like what? You're like 28, 29 right now? I'll be, I'll be 28 in, on Saturday. I see. So when you're in 10 years, you'll be 38. How long do you see your career lasting? Would you retire before 38? I think about there. I think that, I mean, in my head, you know, guys my size, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's the end of the career. You know, we're not like heavyweights. Fifty-five pounders aren't like heavyweights where you can you can make it to your forties. You beat Emmanuel Sanchez. What an impressive win! I want to ask you what that win meant to you. Oh man, I like I like that I didn't. I mean, it sucks. I wish I got the finish. Obviously, everybody wants to get a finish, especially me. I love getting finishes. Um, you know, I have eight eight wins. Six of them are by finish. I love getting finishes, um, but I think uh, that was needed for me to go. Three rounds with a veteran like that get tested in some areas. He he, um, you know he posed some some threats and some some things that were able to put me in a little bit of adversity. I had to figure my way out of it. I need those things. I don't get those very often in my fights. Um, so I'm happy with that fight. I'm happy with the performance. Um, shout out to Emmanuel Sanchez. He was a good opponent. He just wasn't good enough. It can be either mental or physical. But what do you think was the hardest? fight of your whole career man probably my fight that i had in eagle fc um the guy was a tough guy but i broke my hand like i don't know a minute two minutes into the fight i hit him with a big right hand right away probably the first right hand that i threw and i just shattered my first metacarpal completely split it right in half and went back to the corner um Talk to my coaches like, hey, I think I broke my hand. They're like, well, you got to figure this out. So <laughs> in my head, I was like, well, shit, if they don't really care, and I know the guy across me doesn't care, I got to figure this out. So I still managed my way to, to dominate him 30-27 on all scorecards. Um, but that was tough because, like, every time that I took him down, he landed on my hand, and I was just in excruciating pain. And then we're on our feet, like, you know, just in the midst of a combo, I still, I'm still hitting it with it. So then my hand was in excruciating pain. So... That one was tough just because I like literally had to fight myself the entire time of being like, bro, keep going, keep going, keep going. So that one was tough. And he was a tough competitor, um, but you know, he wasn't really more tough or any more tough than anybody else that I faced. When I watched that Eagle FC fight, I believe Chow Sun and, and Cejudo were commentating your fight. Did you get to yeah. talk to them at all? And what did you think about Eagle FC as a promotion? I didn't get to talk to Chael, but I've I've talked with I did talk to uh, Henry a little bit, and um, 
me and Henry, his nephew, actually, me and him were like really close friends in high school. So I kind of know Henry outside of this anyways. Um, but yeah, I didn't get really good to talk to Chell, but, uh, Eagle FC, I thought it was a great promotion. I thought they were doing things right. They, they bought a building already. Um, at least that's what they said. And they're going to run things out of there. Um, but I don't know what happened. You know, they, they, they're, they're doing a lot of shows out there in, in Russia and, you know, Uzbekistan and those countries over there. But, uh, maybe it's the war related stuff, but it just happened to die down in the States. So I thought they were doing good and they were like promising, you know, the way that they had a line business, but yeah. Topology has you listed as from lightweight in the lightweight division. They have you ranked at 115th in the world right now. Are you upset about this? Nah, I'm not mad about that. I know how good I am. And, uh, you said 115, like 115? 115th in lightweight right now. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, I'll get there. I'll be, <laughs> we'll, we'll take the, we'll take that, uh, the 15th part off and, you know, we'll get there one day. It'll be number Perfect. one. Perfect. Uh, do you see yourself fighting in any other divisions? Uh, no, not unless, you know, I keep popping these kids out and, you know, I keep getting the dad weight or something. Then maybe I'll go to 70. <laughs> I'm too short for 170, man. These guys are tall. These guys are Yeah, tall. but what about 165? If there was a division of 165, would you go to it? Uh, that one's a little more interesting, but I, I I like I like 155 right now. I see myself there for a little bit and obviously, you know, with age you typically tend to grow a little bit. So if that happened and I grew a little bit, then maybe I'd be interested in something like that. But for the time being, no, I like myself at 155. I'll, I'll hang around there for as far as I can see, at least. Bellator and UFC might do a merger. This will be very interesting for your career because that would mean that you would have to fight in the UFC. Or if you didn't want to keep that contract, you could go to the PFL or one. What do you see happening? Would you want to take a little bit uh, of time to develop your career in PFL and one? Or would you go straight into the UFC and start knocking people out? Uh, so where, where, I've heard a couple people say that today. Like, is that a thing? I've, I've not seen a source myself. I've just heard people say that. I have no clue, but I believe, I believe, I don't know if Dana said anything, but for example, Michael Venom Page is, um, coming to the UFC. I think that just might be his own contract, but a lot of the Bellator fighters are on the UFC's, uh, athletes list, which is really weird. And I believe someone either like Scott Coco, Dana, Hunter Campbell, I don't know who it was, but somebody alluded to the fact that there were some negotiations taking place. And as we know, UFC bought Strike Force, they bought Pride, they yeah. bought WEC. Uh, I think I think I don't know if they got Dream, but they've bought a whole bunch of promotions. So most likely if it does happen, where do you see yourself going? Um, man, yeah. I mean, obviously you got to follow the money a little bit, but if, 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 if the, the money and the, the talks are within the same ballpark, yeah, I'll probably go to the UFC, you know, if they're offering you some, some, some crazy low numbers and PFL is offering you something crazy, then kind of got to follow. Who's your favorite fighter of all time? All time? Probably Anderson Silva or Rampage. What do you think about Rampage's stint in Pride? Did you watch him in Pride or did you watch him yeah. in the UFC? Yeah, I watched him in both. 
Yeah, love that. Love that. What was your favorite fight of his? Mine was probably the powerbomb. Like, you yeah, can't, you can't beat that. You can't Ricardo beat that. Ricardo Arona, powerbomb? Come on, you can't beat that. Yeah, that one's nice. Um, I like when he got his paybacks against Vanderlei in UFC. Um, but that Chuck Liddell knockout too, man, that's it, man. perfect. You know, I can watch that one. Right He's got a lot of dope moments, you know, but just the way he used to howl, he, the way he'd entered the, the cage and he'd slow walk and he'd make an entrance out of it. It was just dope. You know, he was a good performer and obviously he was a good fighter. Um, a lot of people were like, he's one of the only people that John Jones said that he was afraid to fight. You know, he's, he's that dude. What a character. How did you get started in MMA and what drew you to Bellator originally? Uh, so like my, how I got started training MMA? Yes. And then getting into the sport and then somehow getting a contract to Bellator. Yeah. So, um, I got into the sport Why? obviously I wrestled, um, my whole life growing up, graduated college. And then I thought I was done. I wasn't going to be an athlete anymore. I was just going to work a normal nine to five job. And I ran into the right person at the right time. And we literally, I just started doing it just like for cardio. I wasn't just learning some boxing just because I've always watched boxing. I, I, I always wanted to learn it. So we just did it just for fun. And then eventually, you know, that reignited the, the fuse. And I was like, Hey man, you think I could do this? And he was like, yeah. And then we just started running with it. And eventually one thing led to another. And I met up with my manager with Ali and he signed me over to Eagle. And then he must've knew that something was going on with Eagle um, in regards to whatever, what, the reason why they're not doing state shows anymore. And, you know, he signed me up with Bellator and I went out there and, uh, I had four fights on that contract and, you know, three of them by, by finish. So, you know, I did my thing over there in Bellator. Um, so yeah, doing my thing in Bellator still here. When I was conducting my research on you, I think it was either Wikipedia or something on Instagram. I, I read that you started watching boxing from a young age. Right now, you got Charlo as the 155 champion. I've got a question for you. You do a fantasy matchup. First round, boxing. Second round, MMA. Third round, boxing. Fourth round, MMA. If you fought Jeremy Charlo right now with those rules set, um, what's happening? Tell me. How are you winning? Is it is it five-minute rounds or three-minute round? Boxing I'll go three. three. All of them are three? Why not? Uh, I mean... The truth is, like, go to the second round. He, there's, there's, that's not a question. <laughs> he doesn't know how to wrestle. That's not close. But the the the, the other question would be, you know, how well am I going to handle myself in the first round? Typically, um, maybe it would change based off of the setting, but typically boxers don't come out all crazy like that and push the pace super hard in the first round. So if he took that approach where he's trying to jab apart and trying to read me a little bit, by the time I got to the second round, he's going to get taken down <laughs> we're not seeing round three <laughs> so simmons tried to buggy choke you you slammed him on his neck i thought he was going out when he didn't go out did you say to yourself <laughs> how the fuck did this guy take that or what was going through your mind yeah bro when i like lifted him up and i slammed him in my head i was like oh this is gonna be picture perfect right when i was going down i was like he's done and then he was still, like, holding on. So I was like, oh, he's not out. But as soon as I, like, cleared it, I just started dropping elbows. I was like, ah, it's all right. I'm going to get this finished. And then once I saw some blood, I was like, oh, this is over. I, know, I knew he wasn't going to make it out. Let's say that merger takes place. Who's someone in the UFC's lightweight division that you see yourself beating right now? 
I think there's a long list of those guys, honestly. But I don't, I don't have like somebody that I've been like looking at and be like, I want that fight. But I think there's, you know, if that merger is to happen, I think there's a lot of those guys that I can beat right now. You as a wrestler, there's another wrestler that's making absolute strides in MMA right now, Bo Nickel. I want to ask you, what do you think about his style? And do you see himself collecting the 185-pound uh, belt anytime soon? I think um, his style is more impressive every fight. Um, obviously, he, everybody knew that he was going to be a good wrestler. Um, I didn't know that he was going to be a good grappler the way that he was. You know, he when he pulled triangle to the bottom, that was smooth. You know, and he looked good doing it. It wasn't like some sloppy technique like He's good doing it, and not all wrestlers transition over there. So, obviously, he's taken to grappling really well. Um, the striking, I think that, you know, he's getting more comfortable on his feet, and he's, like, understanding what he wants to do and what he needs to do on his feet. And I think he'll continue to do that. To say that he's just going to come out and be the champion right now, I think he had for sure has the potential to do it. But to say that at this moment, what is he, like, 4-0? Oh, it's like, eh, that's kind of a... That's kind of a hard one to just say. I think he, for sure, if he can put together the striking at least defensively and to land some of his own to get inside, I think obviously he can out-wrestle any of these guys and out-grapple them the way he's taken to grappling. So if he could continue to work on all that, for sure. You're a good wrestler. Jorge Masvidal said that grappling in MMA is a little bit dodgy right now and that there's an unfair advantage for grapplers. Now, we don't have the knee to the grounded opponent, and we don't have the 12 to 6 uh, elbow when, you know, a grappler has a double leg up against the cage. So how do you feel about that? Do you think it's an unfair advantage or do you disagree? Well, were those the things that he was saying aren't fair? He was saying that the stalling nature of shooting a single, holding onto it and not being able to Either, like, for example, in the fight with Colby Covington, there were many instances where he had the knee to the ground opponent. Like, he could have just kneed him in the face or 12 to 6 elbowed him. And he said he would have totally knocked him out or finished him if, if that happened. And if you remember that fight, it was totally like 15, 18 minutes of that 25 minute match was a lot of stalling wrestling by Colby, not really getting the takedown. Yeah. Um, I think there's truth to that, probably. Um, that, but. You know, there's, it's not like it was just dropped upon you fight week. You know, you, you know that going into this, that, you know, these are the things that people can do. Like if somebody does take me down, like I'm not allowed to do this to that person. I'm not allowed. If like Aljamain Sterling, like Peter Yon wasn't allowed to do that, you know, like it, that's known. So it's not like, it's not like they just drop it on you when you're walking in the cage and just tell you that, like you can train for all of these things. But also on the other side of that, like that, also goes to the grappler's favor, I believe, at least. You know, if you're on top of somebody, that means that I can now 12 to 6 elbow you when I'm on top of you. Instead of just having to try and find these elbows, that means I can now 12 to 6 elbow you. That also means that you could be, I could take you down as a grounded opponent and then just start driving the knees to your face. So I think it goes both ways. I do see the the how they can say, like, some of these wrestlers, like the way that Aljo kind of like stays on his knees and does that. Like, I see that, but... There's also a lot of times where Aljo probably is on top of somebody and they don't want to be the person who's getting knee to the face from when he's on top, when they're a grounded opponent. So I see both sides, but nah, I think the rule set is, is fair and good where it's at. You watched boxing. Who was your favorite boxer when you were growing up? Uh, I mean, Mike, 
Roy Jones. Roy Jones probably actually. Roy Jones was. Yeah. Obviously, I like Mike Tyson just because of his persona and, and his knockouts and everything he did. But like growing up, I used to watch hours of Roy Jones. Like, you know, like his the the way he'd dance in the cage and the way he'd hit somebody, then stand. He'd somehow get behind him and then knock him out. He put his arms behind his back and knock him out. He'd showmanship. He'd play a game of basketball and then go out there and, and go fight. You know, literally play a full game. Roy Jones, man, he was he was the stuff. And then in my later years. Um, it became Floyd, um, just the way that, you know, the way he was able to like mentally prepare himself is like, for me, I think the ideal way for an athlete to try and meet, obviously his himself outside of the, the ring and the cages is who he is. And that's completely separate, but his mental and his discipline, the way that he approaches the game of boxing, man, that needs to be studied because I don't think anybody else does it like he has. I've asked so many fighters when I've interviewed them who their favorite boxer is, and they've the majority the consensus has been Roy Jones Jr. So really, uh, yeah, you've uh, you've followed the trend. Also, I want to ask you, what's one thing about your career that people don't know about that you wish they would? Oh man, I guess I don't know. I don't really know. I think that. I don't know. I, I that I have some grappling skills. I guess that that I do practice this jujitsu stuff, you know. But a lot of my fights don't showcase that because, you know, like I said, six out of the, out of eight of them have been by finish. You know, and then you go back to the amateur career, then all three of those were by finish by striking. So I don't know that I'm a well-rounded fighter, and I feel like when the fight gets going and and I have a better opponent who's actually pushing back on me and like. They're actually making me really dig deep and fight. I feel like that's where I fight better. So um, it'll showcase itself eventually because somebody eventually is going to be like that, like that. So you're saying that you've got underrated jujitsu. How long have you been doing jujitsu for and what belt are you? Yeah, so I mean, like, I'm a white belt, first of all. I'm not just some, I'm not some killer jujitsu player. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to be getting taken down and throwing up triangles from bottom. But on top, like, I have sound defense. Like, these guys on bottom, the black belt on bottom isn't going to submit me. Um, and that I have really good control and that I'm going to fuck you up in the process. And then when you do expose yourself, like, I'm aware of these positions and I can get submissions. Now, I'm not saying I've been through jiu-jitsu, but I'm saying that if you allow yourself to be... Um, open i'll take them and i'm not gonna get submitted from the bottom i totally agree with you because you saying that you're a white belt just goes to show me that you're true martial artist because most people say oh yeah yeah, i'm a black belt i'm a black belt but they're getting submitted in mma so it's yeah. like what are you talking about meanwhile khabib and hamza chamayev walking around with like blue and purple belts about your activity you fight a lot dude from 2021 to 2023 Dude, have you had eight fights in that time? Like, are yeah. you serious? What yeah. are you doing? Where's your training camps? Where are your injuries? Like, how are you recovering so fast? Bro, I've had a lot of injuries. Like I told you, I broke my hand. Um, you know, I've had a, a couple of ribs pop out, and that takes, you know, six weeks apiece. I've had, I, I hurt a shoulder one time. Um, I've had a lot of these little injuries, but, like, I feel like, you know, you could just find your way around training. Like, if I could just keep my cardio up in between, 
I can I, I can stay in this, you know? Like when I broke my right hand, I just started working my left hand. So, all right, let's, let's get this jab good. Let's get this left hook good. You know, let's do these things. I can't grapple right now, obviously. I can't throw my right hand, but I can still do all the cardio that I would do, excluding my right hand being included. And I can really work my lead jab. So I took to those things and, and I just stayed active. So when the time came where they said, hey, you can start using your right hand, like I was back to 100%, you know, I just started throwing it. And I never lost cardio. Um, and I just, and honestly, I just hit him on Mandra all the time. Like, yo, just let me know. I'm ready to fight. And, you know, he probably was like, all right, let's see if he actually is. And he hits me back up. I'm like, cool, let's go. I get back in the camp. And, yeah, you know, eight eight fights in two years. Uh, super busy. But that's how I think that's how I think it should be right now. You know, somebody I made my pro debut in 2021, uh, like you're saying, March. And I banged out eight fights. And somebody who's making their pro debut should be that busy, I feel like. You know, somebody who's at the beginning stages of their career. If you do want to reach the highest level, you know, you you should be that busy. You should be active. You should be getting as much ring time and challenges as much as you can, you know. Um, but that's just my opinion. You know, obviously some people don't agree with it because they, you know, in that same time frame, they had three fights. So, you know, two fights. I don't know. But that's my opinion. And I feel like it's been working out for me. Good man. Good man. You are completely active so you're constantly walking out to the cage how do you mentally prepare yourself for fights if you're having that many fights because a lot of people it takes a lot of out out of them they would like to have two fights a year because what they put their everything into those two so how do you mentally frame that to go to increase your activity to a limit where you can handle that much stress well i feel like i feel like the mental side is something that i've really gotten strong with for sure over the past two years, but really since I've, I ended my wrestling career, like I really mentally made a lot of strides to to just get stronger here, honestly. Because was, I felt like that was my only weakness was just mentally. Like I was always pretty tough, mentally strong, but then when when the tough got going and you got down to that 1%, and I never could admit it, but I just felt like I, I would, I don't feel like I mentally thought I was weak, but I would just not perform, you know, and there, there's a reason for it. And I got to thinking and I thought it was just a mental side. So I've been right so far. I've corrected that at least. So I, I think um, and I just think that, you know, I, I just want to fight. Like, I don't think I need six months to prepare for somebody. You know, I feel like if you can tell me that you're going to fight in eight weeks, like I can put it together and I can fight. And I feel like at this beginning stage, you know, with, like I said, I I just need to focus on my best me. I don't need to focus on, you know, these guys' specific qualities that they're doing. At this point, you know, like when you get to world title stuff and you're, you know, about to be, you know, ranked and, and you're at that point where you're fighting other guys who got 30 fights like I just had, like I wanted a full camp for that for sure. Well, like, you know, the guys before them, they're also, you know, five and oh, and some guy had, some guy was like 14 or no, like nine and, and four. So he had a lot of fights, but you know, I just need to be my best me and I should win. And if I can't beat that guy being my best me, then I probably wasn't going to beat him anyways at that point, you know? So I just feel like I, I'm now facing those opponents that do take the, the, a camp to prepare for. But even then, like, I don't know, my best me should beat them anyway. So. I don't sweat it. 
Behind you, you have the Incredible Hulk. Is he an inspiration for your career? Ah, man, the Hulk. The Hulk is uh, the GOAT, man. Let me show you. Let me see if I can flip this camera around. You can see my other side, too. No way. Don't, don't, tell me, don't tell me you have more Incredible Hulk shit. Look at that. That's Red Hulk. Oh, let's go Red Hulk. And there's the other Hulk right there. How much do you pay for these fucking action figures? Oh, bro. Actually, those ones, my, my friend gave them to me for Christmas, so I didn't even pay for those ones. Yeah, that's ones, hilarious. When did you start reading The Incredible Hulk? What the fuck? <laughs> when I was a little kid. Yeah, I was always just a Hulk fan, bro. Like, I don't know. I grew up and I loved Wolverine too, but mainly Hulk. I just honestly, and the older I got, I just really liked the alter ego side of Hulk. Like, I like that he's just this normal, you know, not even less than normal. He's super smart, but he's like, you know, physically, he's a less than normal guy. You know, he's a pretty weak, nerdy guy. He's just a scientist. But on the counter to that, he's the freaking most badass thing to ever walk this world. You know, I like that alter ego. It's dope. I like uh, that book, Compound Hulk. You know, when Red Hulk and Green Hulk fuse together or some shit? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I don't even read comic books. I fuck with that. I like that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, that's what's up. I want to ask you about Bellator champion, uh, Usman Namagamedov. He's a fucking yeah. beast. He looks like a UFC caliber opponent. So if they say to you, we want you, Archie, to fight Usman for the belt, five-rounder, how are you preparing for that fight? What are you going to do? And where do you think your styles match up with each other? You're both undefeated. Yeah. Um, so you want me to give my whole blueprint out here or what? Man? No, no, I don't <laughs> want you to. I just want you to no. say, what do you think What do you think he might have a weakness in? Because, dude, I don't see a lot of weaknesses, but you're yeah. the professional. You would, you would find something that uh, you could use against him. Yeah, I think I agree. I think he's looked really exceptional so far. I think he's a really good fighter. Um, I think he's he's got really good grappling. He exposed that in the Benson Henderson fight, but that was to be expected with the camp he's from, you know. And, and clearly, in all of his other fights, you've seen that he has really good striking. So, um, but I do think that he does best when he can keep you at range. You know, when when he he can keep you at like kickboxing distance. I think that's where he is best. So. I guess the, the objective that people should take is to not let him keep you, keep you at kickboxing distance, you know, so he can just kind of touch and, and point fight you all the way to the victory. And obviously, um, if you get into grappling exchanges, like you got to you gotta understand what you're getting yourself into and not just like overlook it and think he's just become some striker. Like he's a well-rounded fighter. He's a world champion for a reason. Um, but I feel like there's some, there's definitely some, Places that I do really well that I could, uh, I guess, exploit. It's very weird that family unit, as well as their friends that are part of that uh, training circuit, they've, even though people think at a face value that they're all just, you know, grapplers and decent strikers, it's actually not the case. They've all got very different type of styles and very different frames. So yeah. Usman's older brother, Umar Namagamedov, just today, the news for just just today that happened maybe a couple hours ago was that he pulled out of the Corey Sandhagen fight, man. And to My be boy. honest, to be honest, I thought I thought Umar was gonna win that shit. 
I thought nah. Umo was gonna rear naked choke him nah. from all from all the tape from all the tape that I've seen. I know how good Corey Sandhagen is. He's number six or seven of greatest bantamweights of all time with his resume right now. I put him in my list of like six or seven because he hasn't gone to championship yet. But here's yeah. the thing: from all the tape I've watched, all I see is people get like a dude. TJ Dillashaw was on Corey's back for forever and guess what Corey won that fight he he got robbed but he won that fight but dude if PJ can get you back and Aljo can submit you via rear naked choke and Umar is that level of grappler and he's a rear naked choke specialist I think he has like in his professional record he has heaps of rear naked chokes man and in the UFC as well and he has a rear naked choke against a 511 um um MMA fighter in in the UFC as well so from what I saw I just yeah. called round two rear naked choke for Umar. And dude, the fact that he pulled out, who are they going to, what do you, first of all, what do you think about the fact that he pulled out? And second of all, who do you think they should replace for with, with Corey? Well, uh, I don't know. I, I hope he's not injured. That's first and foremost. Like, I hope he didn't just didn't get injured and he, he, or like, obviously he had to have gotten injured. Otherwise he wouldn't pull out, but, significantly injured you know like an acl or some shit like that i hope that like nothing significant like that happened but i don't know i i read something today that somebody said he's pulled out numerous times i don't know um i just hope that you know whatever happened it's not too serious for him i think whoever it is that they do decide to pull in for Corey, i don't know i don't think another top guy is going to take it on short notice that's what i think I don't think so. I think, is gonna I think maybe, to sorry to interrupt, I think Adrian Yanez might step up, and I do think Corey will knock him out. So how do you feel about oh. that? Where's he stand at? Where's his ranking? I think he's like 11th, some shit like that. But anybody else, I don't think they will take it. Like, anybody above him won't take it. Obviously, on short notice, he's a hard person to train for. He does a lot of nifty and crafty little movement shit. You know, he's really good. So I don't think anybody will take that on short notice unless you're saying... Because Yanez, guys. Yanez, Yanez is 13th. And uh, you oh. know he used to fight in Bellator? Nuh-uh. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a Bellator guy. Then he moved over to the UFC. Also, what do you think about if they had Marab Devalashvili? If they chuck Marab up against Corey, how do you see that matchup going? Well, they're not going to do it this time because he's hurt, right? Oh, yes, he did too. I can't believe I forgot about that. He's in a fucking cast. Imagine him in the octagon with a cast on. <laughs> but I think uh, he would I do it. Corey he would, do fight, it. He would totally Corey do it with the cast. That's Marab. He's crazy. That motherfucker's crazy. Uh, I don't know. That'd be tough. I don't know. I think Marab's a relentless wrestler. Like he's 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 special in that he's like, what do you have that one time? Like forty nine shots. Yeah, something like that against Piotr. Don't you think Corey could, like, time a knee on his face or something? Yeah, I think he definitely would plan that. I would if I was him because my game is 49 <laughs> dots. You've trained with uh, Corey. What's he like? And uh, was he upset about the Umar pullout? I haven't seen him. I didn't see him today. Yesterday, he was – you know, Corey's kind of a standoffish guy. He's, he's pretty quiet and uh, keeps to himself a lot. But – yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get to talk to him yesterday about it. We, we were just sparring, and you know, I got in sparred and I left. So I didn't get to sit there and really talk to him about it or anything. I don't know if he knew yesterday or not, but I'm sure he's not happy. You know, that's a lot of work to put in to potentially not get paid at all. Um, you know, because he's been putting in a lot of work. But 
maybe this Giannis guy pulls through, then it, it does pay off still. But um, Corey's solid, man. He's he's got a lot of like really clean striking, and and he has a good like mind for fighting. I think you know, so it's like it's good to pick his brain a little bit when I get the chance um, and talk with him a little bit. Me and my brother, we talk about MMA all the time, and what we've said is that there's a lot of grapplers that go, oh, you know, I, I get outstruck. The thing that I know my grappling, I'm going to specialize in grappling, but I'm trying to get it, increase my defensive striking and try and land a couple bombs, right? So yeah. then you go to the strikers, and they go, oh, I'm a striker. Well, my grappling's not that good. I guess I just won't train it. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? It's like you have GSP, who's a really, really good karate dude, and all of a sudden... He's the best grappler of all time, right? So then yeah. you have Corey, and this is what Corey's done really fucking well. He's a striker that does a whole bunch of flashy shit. Wheel kicks, you know, leg kicks, crazy combos, crazy footwork. But then he's incorporating offensive wrestling, which yeah. has led him to even more success in his striking. I just don't understand why people don't do that. How do you feel about that? I agree. Like I feel like that's I feel like that's another reason why grapplers have the most success in fighting is because they understand right away that they are at a disadvantage in striking. So then they're like, "Hey, look, I at least need to be able to defend myself and land a few shots, right? And then if I can do that, I can get to my 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 grappling, then I'll be all right." But I feel like strikers are the opposite where they're like, "Man, I just need to keep this on my feet. I need to keep this on my feet. I need to keep this on my feet." Rather than just just spending countless of hours defending takedowns and, and submissions and, but mainly takedowns, right? If somebody can't take you down, then you're forced on your feet, you know, but like spending countless of hours instead of doing all that pretty pad work, like, you know, get that grueling shit where somebody's holding you against the cage and defending a takedown and, you know, go out to a, a, a division one or a division two school, but go out to a college and ask them if you can stay there for a little bit and just learn some wrestling. You know, it's not hard. They're all over the place. I, I'm sure most of these gyms can find a wrestling school, whether it's JUCO or, or D1, they can find something within a hundred miles of them, you know, unless they live out in like, you know, Alaska or some crazy place. If I was a striker and if I was a fighter, dude, I would move to Dagestan for like two, three years. Just, just get, just get tossed around for three years. That's what I would do. But dude, yeah. we're talking about these strikers that do, do grappling and not just counter wrestling and, and, defending takedowns like taking it a step further someone that did this was leon edwards what an underrated jujitsu game and what an underrated wrestling game dude a lot of these strikers i would give their wrestling a three out of ten i would yeah. give leon 6.57 that is so much better like i know i know people want to exaggerate shit that is so much better than the base of what people have so yeah. having a nine in striking but at least having that seven in defense, 6.5 offensive wrestling, right, is much better than having, you know, three in offensive wrestling, <laughs> which allows him which allows him to mix things up and defend these takedowns and then knock people out. So he's going up against Colby Covington, an amazing offensive wrestler. How do you see that style matchup going? Man, like, oh, Colby's almost like Marab. You know, he's like the 170 Marab, who's a relentless wrestler. Kobe's going to wrestle. That's for sure. You know, except for that one Kamaru fight. Um, but Kobe's going to wrestle. I think there's, there's, I think Kobe understands like the only clear path, or at least the best clear path to victory against Leon would be to take him down, wear him out, 
and and the takedowns ideally come easier and easier and and then you know rounds four or five then you can strike with them because now he's super tired um but obviously um leon has shown that he's done his homework on cage defense wrestling i still don't think leon's t- uh, takedown defense is that good off of the cage like if somebody shoots on the open um, I still don't think his every time Kamaru shot, shot in the open, he took him down. But against the cage, I think his his defense is super sharp. He's done his homework; like he's good there. He defends takedowns really well against the cage. But in the in the space, we'll see if Colby takes that that uh, route and tries to shoot from space and try to get takedowns from there. But I think uh, Leon is getting more confident, and unfortunately, I'm not the biggest fan of that because you know I was against one of my friends. But you know, it's just the way it goes, and. I think who, uh, that who, who is your friend? Uh, Kamaru. I'm training partner Kamaru too. Really, dude? Wait, hold on. Kamaru was at Kill Cliff, and he was with uh, Trevor Whitnam. So, so where have you? Trevor, with Trevor. You're with Trevor, dude. What a fucking coach. I was, I was in his corner. I was not in his corner, but I was. I flew out as his training partner in South last year at Salt Lake City. For that Colby or for that Leon, you're fight. joking. So how'd you react to the how'd you react to the head kick of uh, Leon? What'd you feel? Uh, yeah, I felt freaking dead inside. That what a crazy. weird situation to be in with Salt Lake City. Because first of all, Jose Aldo gassed in the first round, and then yeah. and then and then Luke Rockhold also gassed in the first round, and then Leon, who's got really good cardio, gassed in round two or three. So, yeah. and, and Kamaru, who's at, you know, the elevated training, he was like the only fighter that didn't gas the whole night. And that, that's an MMA for you. The only fighter that didn't gas the whole night lost. Yeah. Crazy. So I look back at fights and see who actually won the split decision or who actually lost or what the, what the correct uh, result of the fight was. And I am of the belief that Colby versus Kamaru, who was actually a draw. I don't think Colby won the fight, and I don't think Kamaru did enough to actually win the fight either. I think that it was so close that it was a draw because you had Kamaru dropping Colby, but you had yeah. Colby outlanding Kamaru. And I feel like it was 2-2, and then one of the rounds was so close that you could give it a 9-9-2. And I believe that in the prime, it just goes to show you how weird MMA is because I'm an unbiased, uh, unbiased uh, viewer. If I want uh, Kamaru to win that fight, I will call it out if I think it's a draw. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same with Volk and Islam. Like, that's such a difficult fight to score. I really like Volk, but, you know, if Islam wins the unanimous, I don't really have too much to say about it, even though even though it was very close. So how yeah. do you feel about that second fight being a draw? Do you agree with me? Or, like, just taking an unbiased um, stance on it, like, do you see the argument? Not really. I mean, I flew so that one too. I I flew out. I was the training partner all fight week for that camp too, um, for that fight. And I just remember thinking when I was in the locker room watching it. I remember when the final bell blew. I was like, all right, cool. And yeah, that's his fight. He won that. So I remember feeling that. I haven't watched it back. So I watched the first one back because that one's that one's just a war. You know, that one's kind of fun to watch. But I haven't watched that one back. Maybe I'll go back and watch that. But no, I feel like. Yeah, I, I can't even really pull it back. I, re- I remember Kamaru dropped him, and I remember kind of thinking that he won three rounds. But, yeah, I, I can't say for sure. I just remember that was a good fight. Um, Kamaru obviously dropped in the one round and um, went to some ground to pound. I think time ran out, right? 
It was a good fight, though. Really, really weird instances to be in. I think that there should be more draws in MMA. I know it's not the most fun thing to do, but I think if you've got if you've got Nate Diaz versus McGregor two, right? Yeah. I think that was actually a draw. If you go to if you go to I think Islam Volk, I believe if it's that close, if it's that close, and you don't want to pick a winner because it's incorrect both sides. Because if you think about it, I want to talk about that Islam Volk fight. I always talk about it. You've got you've got Shevchenko and Santos, who Shevchenko from bottom is getting controlled for the whole round, but Shevchenko's striking the whole round, and they give the round to Shevchenko, even though there was four minutes of control time for Santos, right? Yeah. And then and then the same thing happens to Volk and Islam. Volk does the same thing to, to Islam. Islam does no damage. Volk does all the damage in the round, and they give the round to Islam, which is the incorrect thing and inconsistent. So I just feel like. I feel like you should just add more draws to MMA and have more rematches because I think that will show who the actual best fighter is in the rematch. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree with that, what you're saying. At least uh, there should be more draws. Like, it doesn't always have to be clear, decisive. You know, there's a winner and a loser. Most of the time there is a winner and a loser. But, like, yeah, if it's super close like that and these guys are taking five minutes to figure that shit out, like, I also am a fan of, like, they should do open scoring. Like, <laughs> I, I think they should do open scoring. Because I hate that. that. I hate open scoring. I hate Why? that shit. Because if you're, like, watching the fifth round and you're like, oh, my God, it's so close. But they gave, instead of it being 2-2, they gave the first round to the other guy. So it's 3-1 going into the going into the fifth. You're like, the, the guy's fucked. Like, you're not going to score. Like, oh, I scored a wheel kick finish in the fifth round. Like, it's not happening. You know you know it's going to be boring. The whole point is that they get the commentators. Guess what? I'm going to say something controversial. They're paying off the commentators to do a dodgy. Every single time it's like a 3-1, they'll be like, oh, I think it's 2-2 going into the fifth. And you're like, fuck, it's 2-2 going into the fifth. It's not. It was 3-1, and the guy's already won. <laughs> And and it's bullshit. They they want to sell you on they want to sell you on shit. So open yeah. scoring eliminates their whole product. Eliminates the whole product. So that's why the UFC would never do it, right? I believe I believe does Bellator do? I think they do do it. No, they don't. No. PFL does it though, right? I think they do like uh, not a judges scoring, but they do commentary scoring. Okay, well I don't know who does open scoring. Who the fuck? Does or they open do like a celebrity judge is what they do. I think they do. They do okay. Like, they got like Wiz Khalifa scoring in there or something like that. You know? <laughs> so boxing has open scoring. So why do you want open scoring? Do you think that what I'm saying is incorrect? I think from an entertainment standpoint, then you're right. But I also think like from an athlete, athletic and a competitor standpoint, like what what game, what sporting event do you watch that the athlete has no idea if he's winning or not? <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it's true, true. It's I was going to say, like, like, oh, soccer, like, do you have a goal or not? Yeah, they know if they're winning or not. Like, people know if they're winning or not. This is the only sport that doesn't have it. You know, wrestling has it, jiu-jitsu has it, soccer, football, basketball, they all got it. So, like, and, you know, the, 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 the argument that people make is that, you know, if I was up two rounds going into the third and I knew that I was up two rounds and it's clear that I was up two rounds, then I would I might just like sandbag it to try and just get the win and maybe lose that round. But also on the contrary, like you would know that you're losing that last round. You know you're down. You gotta win this round. You gotta win this you got not win the round. You gotta finish me. Like that would make it more exciting because this guy would come harder. 
trying to get the finish, you know? So I think to that same, to the coin of saying like it would be boring because of this is also on the other side of the coin of being like, well, you know, it wouldn't be boring because that guy has to come for the win because he knows he's losing, you know? So there's two sides to it. I just feel like, uh, you know, as a sport and a competitor, you, you should know if you're winning or losing. Do you want to debate the next topic? I'm open for a debate. Yeah, let's go. Okay, here we go. So my debate is that Volkanovski is a better fighter than Khabib. Khabib's fucking overrated. And if they fought prime v prime at lightweight, Volkanovski's taking that shit. Maybe um, it would be a hard fight. Maybe seven out of out of the ten times. So 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 Volk would win seven times and Khabib three times. Three. Um, I think I think Volk wins. How do you feel about that? I feel you're wrong. Uh, I feel that honestly, I go as far as saying nine or ten out of the times could be wins. The reason, to be honest, to put it bluntly, listen, you're a great guy, but the reason I think that's bullshit is because I think that if you look at the stats of Volk and Khabib, they've lost the same amount of rounds in their whole career. There was a graphic or some shit that it was like Khabib lost four, three rounds, three rounds. So there was the um, Connor round three, Gaethje round one, and Gleason Tebow fight, right? So he's lost three rounds, and Volk lost like four rounds before the Islam fight, right? So, so what we're saying is they're like. They're comparable when it comes to when it comes to those uh, rounds, and the the fact that people say, "Oh, but you know, he um he lost to Islam, so it's like uh it's like an issue. Like you can't compare him that way, dude." Did, did answer me one question: Did Khabib ever move up in weight? No. Did Khabib ever find welterweight? Nope. Did Volk find welterweight? Wow, well, but he moved down. Khabib. His style of wrestling and the style of fighting that he does is just different than Islam. He's more relentless in the pursuit of a takedown in wrestling. And I just feel like uh, he would wear on and, and hold down Volk in ways that Islam didn't. So I would say that when you talk about Khabib and, and Islam, I think Islam's got the better striking. I do think Khabib's got the better wrestling. I yeah. think... When you, I think it's going to be if it was if it actually happened, it would go down to who has more heart. And dude, I have to say, Khabib and Volk are the two fighters who have the most grind, the most heart, and the most motivation to win. I don't see, I don't see one of them giving up at all, yeah, right? And and if you look at the sprawling, let's just run it back to um, Khabib's wins over Dustin. Uh, Justin and Connor, did those guys have the sprawling ability and the combat chain wrestling sambo, the combat sambo chain wrestling ability to defend and sprawl and turn away from their opponent and get back to the feet? Did they have that ability, yes or no? Are you saying that Volk does? Dude, I'm saying that if you watch that Islam fight, dude, they they fight again, they're going to, and Volk, Volk takes them, Volk takes them. Dude, if you rewatch that fight, Volk, I rewatched it the other day. Actually, I went back and I watched it the other day, and I and, and I tried to be as unbiased as I can be and forget that uh, the last, the, obviously the the decision of the fight, and I had it two, three, and five for Volk. See, that's 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 a great response. I thought you were going to say Islam, but no, but, no, I um, thought I thought Volk won that fight. I just don't think Volk could be could be. 
my question for you is who had damage to the two? Islam got more damage or, or Volk got more damage? Uh, well, Volk was split wide open on his eyebrow. Yes. Um, that's good damage. Uh, but I think the last two and a half minutes of the fifth round, Volk dropped him and finished on top ground and pounding him. So that's not a good visual to me. Um, I feel like that was enough to win the fight. But So if that's the case and you're saying without saying that Volk put more damage on Islam and Islam is statistically the hardest fighter to hit in the UFC, I believe, Islam, Islam took as many punches and as many strikes against Volk that he did in his entire UFC career, by the way. So my question for you is who's harder to hit, Islam or Khabib? Well, I feel like if he's on top of you and he's holding you down, he's harder to hit. I don't think so. I think Khabib's a walking target. If you look if you look at the Dustin, the he Justin and the Connor, he gets hit because he do, he's not as defensively sound when it comes to striking than his counterpart, Islam. And I think if you're easier to hit and Volk did as many strikes as he did on Islam as Islam's whole UFC career, I think Volk's going to be whipping Khabib's head back with punches. <laughs> Well, man, I don't think so, man. I for, I for real feel like that Khabib, he'll get, he's going to get hit. He might leave with a black eye. He might get a little bloody. I don't know. But I feel like he's going to eventually relentlessly pursue this. And honestly, I feel like he he probably choke him. Here's the thing, right? So Volk has longer arms than Khabib, and he's shorter. When you go to also, – also, by the way, Volk's neck is tiny. You can't, you can't choke it. Um, People if, think that, if, bro. <laughs> If you're short, if you're short, right? If you're short yeah. and you're stuffing those takedowns, don't you think you have a better center of gravity to stop people from holding you down? You do, yeah. Yes. Now, there's pros Volk and cons. Trains, yeah, there's pros and cons. Volk trains with Craig Jones and has turned him into a ridiculous counter wrestler and jujitsu sprawler to get back to the feet. Oh, come now on. he's get the thing. jujitsu sprawls out of here. Jujitsu sprawls don't sprawl. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. So the problem with it is that you had you had Connor. You had Connor, right? And yeah. dude, dude, there's tape there was tape on Khabib. The reason listen, I'm not fucking buying it. The reason oh my mother told me to stop MMA. I don't fucking buy it one second. Khabib left the sport because he knew there was tape on him and he knew that someone would have beaten him. If it wasn't Chandler, if it wasn't Charles Oliveira, dude, it was Volk. You can't tell me, you can't actually sit here and say Khabib beats those three in a row. He left the sport because he knew he was going to lose because there was too much tape on him. Connor, Connor, the, who, who was coming off benders, drinking alcohol, doing coke, stupid shit, he still stuffed Khabib's takedowns, and Khabib gapped he in that fight. He, he, he stuffed actually out of the nine, he stuffed three, which is a very high percentage. And by the way, Volk's takedown defense is a million times better than than Dustin, Justin, and Connor. I, 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 I do agree with part of what you're saying. I do think that eventually, to anybody, you're going to lose. You stay long enough, you're going to lose. Like John Jones, if he stays long enough, it's eventually going to happen. You know, you're eventually going to lose anybody. That's any. That's that's just what father time in sports happens. Eventually, you're going to lose. But uh, you know, Charles Oliveira, he was. I don't think he's beating Khabib. Volk, I don't. Maybe maybe Chandler, just because he has good wrestling and he understands it. But Chandler always he goes like 100, percent and then it's like freaking 
you know, fifth round comes around, he's 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 pretty tired. Fourth round, third round comes around, he's like freaking dead. So I feel like if if he didn't get him out in two, man, that's gonna be a hard fight to beat. Could be because I agree that I think the person to beat. Somebody like Khabib is a high-level wrestler who understands wrestling also. Let me tell you something about, about Chandler and Volk. Now, okay. here's the thing. Chandler against Khabib has a puncher's chance only. Chandler, he doesn't know how jiu-jitsu sambo game. By the way, jiu-jitsu and sambo are interlinked. People want to say, look, oh, he's a jiu-jitsu fighter. He's a sambo guy. Sambo people, they do that little uh, thing where they wrap the legs against the cage and stuff. Yeah. They do sweeps jiu-jitsu sweeps and they also put a lot of hooks in right for back takes and they choke right which is all jiu-jitsu stuff this better version of jiu-jitsu stuff what if i told you chandler has never done a hook he's never put hooks in in back and get in the back take in his whole like mma career chandler's a good wrestler he can't defend any of those hooks who is somebody that had another fighter trying to get hooks in who was a Sambo-level fighter who was actually a Sambo world champion and didn't allow that person to get hooks on them? Who was it? Uh, let me get Alexander Wilkonoski. Correct, correct. And guess what? <laughs> Islam Makachev is a combat Sambo gold medalist. So you're telling uh... me... Hold on, hold on. Hold on, you're telling me that Chandler has a wrestling advantage defensively over over Khabib. Meanwhile, the only person that knows how to defend Sambo techniques is Volk. Well, I'm I'm saying I'm saying that if if Khabib can't take Michael Chandler down, he can't implement Sambo techniques. It's not. It's all the chain wrestling thing. This is where Sambo stuffs up because you shoot a takedown, you grab their leg, you go to a double leg, you don't get it. They, they stuff you. You move to their back, you body lock, then you put the hooks in. In that circuit, dude, Chandler's getting submitted 10 out of 10 times. Chandler's not good enough to do any of that shit. Chandler will stuff one takedown, a double leg from the, from the center. Every time? Chandler cannot defend the hooks or put his own hooks in or do anything so he needs to okay. keep it on the feet. I, I agree with you. I think Khabib beats Chandler. I'm not saying that I think Chandler beats Khabib. Put that in the edit too. That I'm not saying that. But I, <laughs> I, I think that it's going to be harder for Khabib to take down Michael Chandler than anybody else because he knows how to freaking wrestle. I think that's absurd. I think that's absurd. I think that I think that when you come to a straight wrestling match and you go, you're in the middle of the cage and you're shooting double legs, I think Chandler has an advantage to sprawl. Because what? Fucking Volk didn't sprawl against Islam. What was he doing? He went, he went, the turn to the side, underhook, fucking do like a turn 360 fucking get to his knee, jump up. It's a Sambo type of wrestling. The reason nobody's been able to stuff Khabib's takedowns is because it's not the same as American style wrestling. I will shoot a single leg on you. I will shoot a double leg on you. You will stuff every single one. If I combat Sambo, chain wrestle you, and you don't know how to how to pivot and how to how to not allow me to somehow use gravity to push you, get you side on, and then push you up against the fence, dude. Dude, the only person that has that Sambo game is Volk. And the only reason he learned how to do it is because he got a whole bunch of Dagestani wrestling champions in there and he got Craig Jones to help him for fucking forever and he combined them together to just have a chance against against Islam. And 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 Islam is a Sambo champion. 
But I think that I think that if Khabib and Volk strike together, I think if Khabib can't, if Khabib takes him down, he's not submitting Volk. Volk's got too much drive, and he will never give up. There's not a single there's not a single situation where Volk taps. Volk will go to sleep before he taps. Right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't get a submission. Yes, I, under, I understand this, but guess what? How many times did did Islam get submissions on Volk? None. He got a couple. He got a couple, but they weren't incorrect. Oh yeah, in the first round, he got like he maybe two. Yeah, he got like a sort of a face crank on there. Yeah. But dude, Volk was so good at tucking that chin and and staying in that back position and being active, dude. From but that again, back position, but again, we both said this earlier that Volk or or. or Islam is not the grappler, or the better grappler out of Khabib and and, and Islam. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Position, then what? I understand that, but my argument is that is that if Islam is the single hardest fighter to hit, first of all, first of all, because the fight starts standing, if it's first of all, it's hardest to hit is Islam and Volk's pummeling the shit out of him. When Khabib's there stationary, walking like this, right? Volk is going to just launch punches at his head, and the second that he goes to shoot, Volk's going to be a tiny man, and and, and Khabib's going to be this big. 5'10", 5'10", 5'11", Khabib Namagomedov, 5'6", Volkanovsky. Dude, I'm telling you right now, he's got that, he's got that concreter. He's got that concrete build. <laughs> you know what I mean? Volk, Volk is a fucking concreter. He, he used to be a concreter, and he used to be a fucking rugby player. I think... Volk stuffs a couple takedowns. I see the fight going three to Volk just off the fact that, dude, you can't strike with him. He is he is right now the best striker in in um, MMA. There's not a single striker. Ooh, all of do you do you agree with that? He's, there's not a there's not a single striker better than Volk. Tell I me like a striker that's better than I, Volk. I like his I like his style better than any other strikers that I would put in that conversation. So I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, he's the best striker in MMA. But guess what? Khabib, if you put him in grapple, all the grapplers, you can say maybe he's the best uh, grappler, right? Maybe he's the best grappler. Because the best grappler, the best striker. Here's the thing. Volk knows how to defend the combat sambo chain wrestling system and, and mechanisms. But Khabib does not know how to strike with a guy that has fight IQ a million all right, all right. You've convinced me. I'll I'll lower myself down to eight out of ten times. Khabib wins. Instead of <laughs> how I can't believe you. I can't believe you. After all of that, I feel like I wasted my time. If if he only wins <laughs> one more additionally, Jesus. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Archie, for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up the podcast? Um. Yeah, I'll plug you. Shout out you for bringing me on. This was fun. You know, I had a good little time, you know, shooting shit with you a little bit and, you know, just, just talking MMA stuff. Um, that was fun. And I look forward to doing it again. And just, uh, yeah, follow me, King underscore Kogan. The journey's going to go up. I don't know what's going to happen with this Bellator selling and stuff, but just follow me. I promise I'll, I'll find my way to the top eventually. Follow the future Bellator lightweight champion, Archie, on Instagram, link in the description, and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Bye.